The following is a presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Big 12 era has begun, and BYU Cougars football is on the air. Martin finds space to the right. Martin's got a first down and more! The 10, the 5, the touchdown! Shaking off tacklers and taking it in for 6. We are two hours away from kickoff, and it's time to get you ready for the matchup with Cougar Pregame Live. Cougar Pregame Live is brought to you by... Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Cougar Pregame Live is also brought to you by Tucano's Brazilian Grill. Phenomenal flavors, a festive setting, and more fun than you can shake a skewer at. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Now, to get you ready for today's game, alongside Hans Olsen, here's your host, Jason Shepard. It is a BYU football game night. Good evening, everybody. Welcome into Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Tonight, the 5-4 and four BYU Cougars face the 5-4 and four Iowa State Cyclones in the annual blackout game. My name is Jason Shepard. Thank you so much for joining us for BYU football tonight. Joining me here, our first night with no sun pregame show joining me out here at uh, cougar canyon outside lavelle edwards stadium is the great hans olsen i, I would say the mediocre i'd say i think right in the like the midline the adequate hans olsen <laughs> <laughs> the get the job done yeah. hans olsen yeah. is here with me today. yes and i'm glad you were able to down part of that built bar that you ate right oh, literally yeah. the open starting and hans takes a bite of this s'mores uh, built bar. Well, I was feeling low on the protein, so I needed to get those muscles going. But it looks like we're going to have a band ensemble that's going to roll through on us here, Shep, to yeah. celebrate the moment. I love it. I love the nighttime. I know that this team loves the nighttime. I know that they've played extremely well in the night. I've got chills running down my spine. It's been a great, great college football Saturday yep. already. So Let's just add to it with some fantastic football tonight watching Iowa State here at Lavelle Edwards State. Hey, as, as Kalani said, embrace the night, and here we go. Uh, second to last home game, uh, bowl eligibility still within BYU's grasp. Man, tonight seems really, really big. Uh, look, you've got two more games after this, one at home, one on the road. But as you said, fun day of college football. We'll get into some of the craziness in the Big 12. This is an opportunity for BYU to get that sixth win tonight at home in front of their fans, blackout under the lights at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It is all set up for the Cougars. And, you know, Shep, it's so funny because I could look at this BYU-Iowa State game and I could say, oh, man, you got to beat Iowa State. But there's something about BYU just needing to get right. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know if it's about Iowa State. What I want to see when I go back and watch film, I just want to see scheme fit. I want to see personnel executing. I want to see guys that are supposed to be catching a football catch a football. Guys that are supposed to be locking up on a D end and not releasing them on a counter, a fly, fake fly sweep counter. Don't release them. Do the things that you have been taught to do. Execute it tonight. I want to be able to go back to a clean film session. I want to see a defensive line that when you're on slants, Everybody is on the proper slant. Not one guy on the backside not slanting. Three guys on the front side slanting. And gaps opening up where West Virginia was just walking through these gigantic gaps. You can't let Iowa State do that tonight. So aside from just Iowa State and what the outcome might be, I want to see BYU get right. 
I want to see these guys execute. I want it to be clean. So when I'm up in the booth calling this game, I'm going to be looking at specific things to see if BYU was able to fix them in the week of preparation. Well, I mentioned a few moments ago, both teams come into tonight's matchup with a record of 5-4. and four. The difference is what BYU's done in conference play and what Iowa State's done in conference play. The Cougars 2-4 and four in the Big 12. The Cyclones 4-2. and two. So the Cyclones have taken advantage in conference a little bit more, but at the end of the day right now, the, the records are the same. Let's talk about BYU. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Jake Retzloff. Uh, just very briefly, because we're going to have a, a segment where we really dive into it. I came away, and I understand the offense did not score a ton of points. I completely understand that. And so if you have criticism, because of that, I understand it. I came away liking what I saw from quarterback Jake Retzloff in his first start last week, even in the loss against West Virginia. Well, you figure in his first start he had as many yards as Keaton Slovis in six of Keaton's games, six of the eight. So he was up there in yardage with Keaton and what he was doing as far as execution and performance. Now, you throw in a Chase Roberts catch, which would have been about 25, 30 yards on the seam. You throw in an Isaac Rex catch that would have been about 25, 30 yards on the seam. You throw in 60 yards. Maybe you throw in the catch that went to Keelan Marion on the screen that gives you 10. So now you're looking at 70 yards. Now he's close to 300 yards. So he had the type of performance to give you 300 yards passing. It's just everybody needs to secure it. Now, he didn't do everything perfectly. You saw he had two overthrown balls. One of them was terribly overthrown. It wasn't touched. It flew well over Cody Epps' head. And so he can definitely improve as well. But we are going to talk about what we saw in game one, what I'm hoping they do with Jake Retzloff in game two, and we're going to get into that film breakdown coming up in a little bit. Iowa State had its three-game win streak snapped last week at home by Kansas. Kansas at home today losing. So both teams coming in on a loss. The Cyclone playmakers to watch, at least on offense, you have redshirt freshman quarterback Rocco Becht, wide receiver Jalen Noel, who is unbelievable, and he's dangerous on kick and punt returns as well. And then defensively, this is the matchup that I'm really looking forward to, and it's the BYU receivers against this secondary of Iowa State. This Cyclone secondary is legit. So this is John Haycock's eighth season as a defensive coordinator for Iowa State. He has done a lot of great things. As he came in with Matt Campbell, you know, you're going back to 2016 when Matt Campbell shows up. John has been around for a long time, and he's an old dog in the game. So here's the deal. If you were confused by what TCU was doing defensively, if you were confused by what West Virginia was doing defensively, get ready because Iowa State is going to confuse you as well. They've got a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of different rotational personnel, but there's a lot of great personnel. This will be one of the best back ends that they've faced this year, Shep. All right, coming up next, we will talk with the voice of the Cyclones, John Walters. He'll join us to preview tonight's matchup with Iowa State when we return. This is Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. BYU and Iowa State kicking things off tonight. It is the blackout game for the BYU Cougars. Welcome into Cougar Canyon, 
We're hanging out outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium alongside Hans Olsen. My name is Jason Shepard, and joining us upstairs in the broadcast booth is the play-by-play voice of Iowa State football. His name is John Walters. John, thank you for taking a few minutes. We appreciate it. Hey, John. My pleasure. Happy to do it. So uh, let's start with this. Um, how would you describe this season so far for the Cyclones? It's a it's a young team that's had its ups and downs, which probably goes hand-in-hand hand with that youth. When you look at this season so far, the 5-4 and four record, what comes to mind? How would you describe it? I think it's been a successful season on the whole. You know, obviously there's going to be bumps in the road, but when you consider how young Iowa State is, they've had, you know, very few seniors really when you look at their two deep. There's there's basically two seniors starting on each side of the ball. So they're a very young football team, a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing, and they did get off to a little bit of a rocky start. And uh, the way they've responded from that's been really good. I think Rocco Beck, they've put a little bit more on his plate each week. He's a, a redshirt freshman quarterback, so I think they kind of eased into things with him and said, let's see what he can handle, and he's proven that he can handle a lot. So they continue to put more and more on his plate each week. But uh, the offensive line took a little while to get that going. We have four new offensive coaches on, on that side of the ball, including the offensive line coach. But that's gotten a lot better in the last few weeks too. So I think Iowa State is... I wouldn't, you know, obviously had a tough loss last week, but that was a good Kansas team that played very well and made big plays in critical moments to win that game. But uh, I do feel like it's been a successful season and a lot more opportunity out there in these final three weeks. So, John, what aspect of this team do you feel like you could hang your hat on every single week? Mostly the secondary, I'd say. We, we knew that would be a strength of this team coming into the season. You've got a lot of veteran guys back there. Uh, very talented secondary corners are really good in TJ Tampa and Miles Purchase. Bo Freeler's an excellent safety. Um, Jeremiah Cooper is among the national leaders in interceptions. And then Malik Verdon is a very good safety as well. So felt like that would be a strength for Iowa State, that the, the flip of that would be that their linebackers were very young. And they knew there'd have to be some growth there. And I think when you look at Iowa State's defense and you say, okay, why have they gotten better in recent weeks? It's just that those young linebackers have gotten experience. And they finally you know, starting to feel their way and uh, maybe get into position and make the play instead of just being in position. You know, they get there, but they're also now able to make the play. And Gary Vaughn is a sixth-year senior linebacker, but everybody else in that linebacking core is either a freshman or sophomore. So very young in that area, but that is probably to be expected that it took a little while for them to grow. But I, I am seeing that growth. So encouraged by that side of the ball. But, yeah, definitely the secondary would be the strength of this Iowa State football team. John, let's stay with that secondary. Any any defense that has T.J. Tampa feels better about itself heading out every week. And the team has almost doubled its interception total from last season already. Specifically to, to that point, why do you think they've been so much better in that area? Have they changed something schematically? Is it these guys being a year older and, and a year better? Why has that number jumped up so much? I give a lot of credit to Hank Poteet, who is Iowa State's new cornerbacks coach, and he's really emphasized that, look, if you're in a position to make a play on the ball, don't just knock it down. Go get it, you know, and, and those guys have gotten better at, at coming away with interceptions. And, you know, I mentioned the talent in that secondary to begin with. That's a big reason for it, too. 
But, you know, to get interceptions, you really have to get some pressure up front. And even though Iowa State doesn't have outrageously high sack numbers, they do have a lot of quarterback hurries. And so they force quarterbacks into decisions that maybe they don't want to make. And that's led to some of those interceptions as well. So I think it, it all goes hand in hand with what you're doing up front. But, um, yeah, certainly those guys, when they've been in a position to make a play on the ball, they've done it as BYU has. So this will be a very interesting game tonight to see who can win the turnover margin in this game. Watching a little bit of film this morning, and, you know, you look at that offense, and you're going to see 49 on the field. You'll see 18 on the field at the same time. You'll see 82 rotate in. 87 comes in. He's on the field. Those tight ends, heavy usage. They like to go with that 13 personnel. What's the idea behind that with uh, Nat Schielhausen? You know, I think what they did was they, uh, a few years ago, they had three guys who actually ended up in on NFL rosters, at least for a short time. In Charlie Kohler, who was a great tight end out of Norman, Oklahoma. And then they had Dylan Sainer, who ended up uh, playing for the Saints for a little bit. And they had Chase Allen, who was on the Bears practice squad. And, and those three guys were so good that they decided, hey, we got to get our best players on the field. And they played those three tight ends together a lot. And that led to some of the very successful seasons that Iowa State had. The Fiesta Bowl team had those three guys as their tight ends. And so even though they got away from it a little bit last year, I think they're, they, they love recruiting the tight end position. They like versatile tight ends. Uh, Benjamin Bramer's probably the pass, the best pass-catching tight end. He's more in the Charlie Kohler mode. Steve O'Klotz is more in the Dylan Saner mode as far as a real good blocking tight end. And then you get a little bit of everything with the others. And so they'll play four or five tight ends uh, over the course of the game, and you'll see situations where they play three of them. Most of the time they're going to have at least two on the field at the same time. John, what's been the talk amongst the Cyclones about this BYU team and the, and the matchup tonight? Well, I think they're excited for the opportunity to come out here and play in one of the greatest settings in college football. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this, and I, I think these guys are really excited about the opportunity. Um, certainly, they understand how good BYU has been at home and uh, how much of an uphill battle they have to try to win on this field. So it's, uh, it, it's a challenge they're not taking lightly. Um, I think they're very excited about the, the opportunity to come out here and try to play well and perform well. They're going to have a lot of fans here, too, because uh, a lot of fans have been excited to make this trip and just see what it's all about out here. So um, it, it'll be a great college football environment. And I think, you know, more than anything from an Iowa State perspective, they just want to get that good taste back in their mouth after losing at home to Kansas last week. In a game they could have won, although I wouldn't say they should have won because Kansas made the plays when they had to to win that football game. But certainly Iowa State was in a position to get it done and couldn't quite get there. But just excited to get back on the field and get another opportunity. You know, staying along the same lines, and you touched on it a little bit, this is the new Big 12, John. I mean, traveling out west, kicking off at 8.15 Mountain Time, 9.15 back in Ames. From that standpoint, how how has Iowa State tried to deal with this? Are they... I mean, is it one of those things you can't control it so you don't worry about it? I mean, it's a late kick at altitude. How much of that kind of stuff has been discussed? You know, uh, the media uh, tried to discuss it quite a bit. <laughs> I think Matt Campbell <laughs> just kind of he just kind of downplayed it, said, yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. We'll go play. And um, he, he didn't act like it was any big deal. But I'm sure there is some adjustment, you know, to your – 
your normal clock. I mean, he'd always rather play at 11 in the morning no matter what because he just he likes he likes to get the game played. But uh, I'm sure it was driving him nuts sitting around the hotel room all day. But you're right. It is the new Big 12. We have to get used to this. And uh, it'll be just as tough for teams from out west to come into Ames in November and, and play, you know, maybe an 11 a.m. kick central time. So, it goes both ways. We understand that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think he wants his guys using it as an excuse. I think he wants them to be ready to play. And I, I think Iowa State will be ready to play. They should be in a good place mentally for this game. Let's talk a little bit about your quarterback, Rocco Becht. He's about 82 yards away from hitting the 2,000-yard mark. Just give us your overall take on Rocco and his performance so far throughout the year. I couldn't be more impressed with the way he's handled the situation. You know, Hunter Deckers was the starting quarterback last year. Uh, He was involved in a gambling investigation and was suspended. And, you know, all of a sudden, Rocco, at the end of spring practice, goes from, hey, you were the backup to you're the guy. And as a redshirt freshman, as I mentioned, especially with four new offensive coaches, you know, that's a lot, you know, to put on a guy's plate. And uh, I think he's just handled it really, really well. He's made some mistakes. He has three pick sixes this year. They've been costly, but what's been impressive is that each time he's done that, he's come right back and played really well. So he has the ability to shake off negative plays. He moves around well. Uh, I, I, you know, hear occasional Brock Purdy comparisons just because of his ability to move around and keep plays alive with his feet and keep his eyes up the field. But obviously, it, it's so young in his career that that that. Comparison is probably a little bit unfair, but he's played very well. His dad, Anthony Beck, a longtime NFL player, the coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks in the uh, in the XFL, and so comes from a football family. And uh, I, I just think he's really shown a lot of kind of the intangible stuff that you want from a quarterback. You know, the the physical tools. He wasn't the most highly recruited quarterback in the country, but he has so much of the intangible stuff and the leadership stuff and. For a young guy to take command of that huddle the way he has, I've just been super impressed with him. John, we appreciate the time. Uh, Both teams, one win away from bowl eligibility, and only one's going to leave tonight with uh, that sixth win. It should be a fun one. Thank you for joining us. Great insight, and have a great call tonight. Thanks, John. My pleasure. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. That is the voice of Iowa State football, John Walters, joining us. We appreciate that conversation. Coming up next, my conversation with the wide receiver for the BYU Cougars, Chase Roberts. You'll hear from the Cougar receiver when we return on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar pregame live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back. Broadcasting live outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We are in Cougar Canyon. If you're just getting to the stadium and parking and making your way through, please make sure you stop by and say hello. Should be a fun one tonight. Iowa State in town taking on the BYU Cougars. Both teams come in with a record of 5-4. and four. Well, Chase Roberts leads the Cougars in receiving yards this season with 512 and is tied with Darius Lassiter for the most receiving touchdowns with four. Chase has already given us one of the most impressive catches in BYU history, his one-handed touchdown catch at Arkansas. So with all that said, of course, we begin the interview talking about donuts. This Saturday, 
uh, you guys are wearing the black uniforms, yes. right? So because of that, for that game, there's going to be the chocolate cougar tails. Okay. If you had your choice between a regular cougar tail and a chocolate cougar tail, which are you going to purchase? You got to go with the original. I mean, I would definitely try the the chocolate one. I don't think I've had a chocolate cougar tail yet, so I definitely want to try that one. But the OGs is the best, and I actually wish they'd they'd put some custard in the middle. Ooh. That's my favorite donut of all time. That maple with the with the custard inside. So I might I might okay. suggest that. I've got to remind myself not to talk about food at the beginning <laughs> of an interview when I can't do anything about it. All right, I don't know how you transition from donut talk to yeah. football talk, but we're going to do it. Okay, let's um, so everybody gets their own opinion on stuff how do you guys you personally and you guys as a team tune the outside stuff out you know this is it's football it's life there's going to be ups and downs every time we come back after a loss or a win it's so fun to come back and see your brothers and have the team meetings have the the position meetings and, and realize that there's there's more to life than just winning and losing games it's the brotherhood that we've gained and i think that that we, we've been having so much fun like win or lose that there's times like obviously there's ups and downs but we just focus on the moment you know the time that we have together and not to take anything for for granted just to enjoy every single moment i think that's what's helped us as a team to stay up when we have some downs and and i think going forward it's definitely more fun to win so we're definitely planning on going to win some games uh, to finish out the season is it hard to look at it that way or is it easy for you to be able to yeah it really stinks to lose mm-hmm. but we've got these other things that are going well that are pauses yeah. we need to hang on is it easy or hard for you to do that to look at it that way i think we've done a good job you know it is sometimes hard and just after a loss to just dwell on you know the negatives mm-hmm. but i think we've done a really good job to stay positive and you know this is the big 12 like mm-hmm. these are some good teams we're playing and, and we've we've lost um, but that's okay. You know, we can bounce back and, and go win the rest of our games. Well, and the good thing is their goals that you had at the beginning of the season are still there for you exactly. today. And that's obviously one of the, the great things about being in a conference. The bowl eligibility, how much is that talked about? Not necessarily to be able to play in a bowl game, but it is a way for teams to measure themselves. Mm-hmm. How important is getting that sixth win for you guys? I think it's right now it's it's what we're playing for. I mean, we're, we're five wins. So right now it's it's huge. And to go beat Iowa State at home is going to be big to get that to get that bowl game and to you know go bowling is what we, what we say. So uh, we're we're excited to get that win this this Saturday and then have a, have an extra game to play. How are you feeling right now? Everybody's going to go through stuff throughout the year, and yeah. you're getting to game ten. Yes. It seems like you're hanging in there though, right? Yeah, game ten. I mean, everyone on the team has some some bumps and bruises and uh, little muscle issues and that is football you just got to play through them and and wrap them up and and go play and uh, that's what week 10 has in store you know Uh, so there's definitely some pain going on but we're we're ready to go you know we're feeling good coaches have have said that this may be the best secondary that you guys will face this year with the cyclones as a receiver you're going to go directly with some of these guys what what do you make of this matchup and, and what have you seen from their defense yeah they're really disciplined and just solid on defense especially like in the past game so um, but that's that's what we love Mm -hmm. you know there's still some openings that we can we can hit and expose in their defense and we're gonna we're we're still gonna go sling the ball (laughs) and throw it all over the place so we're excited for every opportunity we can get especially against a really 
uh, high-powered defense. So we're going to go take it to them. It's going to be fun. <laughs> well, football obviously is a team game, but how much do you enjoy those individual matchups? You versus a corner. I mean, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? How much do you look forward to those types of matchups? Oh, I love it. That's my favorite. Yeah, you see them in the NFL, yeah. and those yeah, the, they hype up mm-hmm. the matchups. And um, it's what you crave as a wide receiver, to go against the best DBs and to show that you can win your one-on-one matchup. So I'm super excited to, to go against these guys and, and to show what, what I can do and what we can do as receivers. All right, let's wrap things up with the final four questions. All right, the first question is, your favorite ice cream flavor, and when was the last time you had it? Ooh, my favorite ice cream flavor is called chocolate malted crunch it's from thrifties you have to go to california more west coast okay so it's in, at thrifties and i think it was just this past summer that we went to the bay area and i got some chocolate malted crunch so that's that's the best you gotta go try it right. that sounds excellent we started the interview talking about donuts now we're talking about ice cream uh dog person or cat person i'm a dog person yeah they're loyal they're awesome they're they're just more fun do you have a dog we grew up with a dog um, and a cat. So we ha- I had both. I had experiences with both and definitely like the dog more. So We don't have one now, though, no. All right. You can only subscribe to one streaming service. There's a ton out there. Which one is going to get your money? Um, and this could be like ESPN, like type of... Like, any, any, yeah. any streaming service, but you're only allowed one. To go sports. I can't, you know, not watch sports. So it's got to be some type of ESPN, yeah. you know, type NFL TV. So Yeah, I like that. You and I are on the same page. All right, last one. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be part of BYU's first P5 season in the Big 12? Oh, it's huge. It's awesome to, to show what we got and that we can hang with these, you know, P5 conferences and go beat really, really good teams. You know, it, it's going to be exciting. I just looked at the Big 12 next year, mm-hmm. but teams are going to be in there, and I got so excited. Just uh, it's, it's such a, an honor to be able to start off this year in, in the first year in the Big 12 and, and going next into next year, it's going to be a blast. So It really has added a level of enthusiasm and excitement and energy to the whole thing, hasn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we love it. All right, Chase, appreciate it. Thanks and good luck. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, that was BYU wide receiver Chase Roberts. Appreciate him taking a few minutes. Coming up next, what did the film say about BYU starting quarterback Jake Retzloff. Well, you know Hans has got the answers for you. He breaks it down in X's and Olsen. Next, you're listening to the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America. On the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. Mountain America is the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Welcome back outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium here out at Cougar Canyon. Alongside Hans Olsen, my name is Jason Shepard. Two five and four teams here tonight, BYU and Iowa State. And we were talking about this earlier, Hans. We were talking, I, I came away impressed with what I saw from Jake Retzloff in his first start last week at West Virginia. You have had a chance to really look at the film and, and really analyze what you saw, what the offense wants out of him, and maybe if that gives us any idea of what to expect tonight. What's the film say about him? Well, the film, I thought, spoke pretty highly of him. I thought he looked really good. Just in the replay, he looked really good. He looked as poised as he could for being on the field as a starter for the first time, and I thought that his vision was pretty solid. He did have a couple of bad throws. There's no question about it. 
and I do think that he tilted his head and he ran a couple of times when maybe he should have pulled up and thrown it because West Virginia was trying to bait him into the run with the three-man rush running zone, making sure that the four uh, linebackers behind that defensive front were all paying attention to his, his rushing and his scramble ability. Iowa State's going to do the, the same tonight. They're going to rush the three. They're going to zone him out. Anytime he takes off out of the pocket, they're going to try to come up, corral him, and make the tackle. So he needs to look to pass first. Don't rely totally on your feet and know that it's a last resort. So if the pocket is solid, step back into the pocket. Don't leave the pocket. Don't get on the outsides. Keaton Slovis did that too many times this year where he left a very solid pocket for no reason. So I'd like to see Retzloff really step back to the pocket one half step and fire that football out of the pocket. I, I, I'm happy with his rushing ability, and I think that it's going to add a layer. I do think that you can run more option looks with Retzloff. So run option. Now, if there's a guy that you feel comfortable running the option with, then really put him in and give it a go because I do think that he's got the rushing capabilities. Okay, outside of that, primary number one. He's already shown it. He's fantastic with the short and intermediate routes. So run your digs, run your drags, run your hitches, run your button hooks, run your 5 to 10-yard ins, run your 5 to 10-yard outs. Let him take that snap, settle the feet, and fire it. Take the snap, settle the feet, fire it. Because they are going to try to zone it out, so let them find those sneaky little pockets inside the zone on those quick slants on those quick hooks, and fire that football because that's what he's really good at. And that will get you into second and four. That'll get you into third and two, third and one. And then you've got a third down that is manageable because I'm just – I am over the third down issues. I'm I'm (laughs) over it. I'm just – And it's something that that the offense has dealt with all season long. They have. The third down offense, it's 129th in the country right now. Out of 118 third down attempts – BYU has converted 34 of them. Let me say that again. You've had 118 third down attempts. You have converted 34 of them. That is the best for third from the lowest in the country at 28.8%. I'm done with it. So let him find those short intermediate routes. Give me the second and two a few times so that I can take a shot. I can look up somebody upfield. Get me into second and two a little bit so that my running back has a little bit more room because that Iowa State defense is going to have to protect against some of those deep drops. Give me the second and two so I can do something as an offense. Stop with the third and tens. You're having incomplete pass on first and ten. It feels like 80% of the time that you start a drive, it's an incomplete or something that puts you at a second and ten, and then you run the ball, and it gets you to third and eight. And then you've got a quarterback that's young and Jake Retzloff that's standing there like third and eight. What, how, what, how much can I do with this? And you become extremely predictable. And you become very one-dimensional, yep. and you become overly predictable. So I'm hoping that some of those intermediate routes can allow this offense to be in second and manageable, third and manageable, so they can take some shots and move the ball. And let me just tell you, I think that that's Jake Retzloff's best attribute, his ability to settle the feet and throw the intermediate to short routes. He throws the dig so hard. Yeah. He throws those, he th- he throws those button, button hooks and those hitches so hard. So let him do that and let him have some success at it. And then that, that'll set up so many things. That'll set up your screen looks. That'll set, up, that'll set up some draw looks. And you can really start to get this offense humming tonight. 
in your opinion, be, beyond the X's and O's, just watching him, did he look like he was comfortable? Because you're going to look at it completely differently than maybe I will, somebody who played versus somebody who did not. To me, he looked like he he wasn't oh, he didn't have too much on his plate. I didn't he didn't express that in any way out there, whether it was with you know his body language or anything. It looked like he had a, a pretty good grasp of things. Did anything from that aspect stand out to you in terms of his comfortability? No, it felt like he had a pretty darn good huddle command. It felt like he's got respect of his teammates. And I've been in the huddle with some really great quarterbacks. Steve Sarkeesian, I was in the huddle with Peyton Manning. Um, I've been around some really great quarterbacks, and it's all about your command. Yeah. And now that has a lot to do with your confidence, how you feel about how you see the defense, how you feel about how you manage the game. Great quarterbacks have this poise that when they're in the huddle, there's energy, but there's confidence. Yeah. There's calmness, and there's control. And it felt like he did have yeah. quite a bit of that, at least from my angle and advantage, both from the booth against West Virginia and then in the film review, watching him bring his guys back up, watching him manage after he did make a bad throw or after one of his receivers did drop a pass. He managed his yeah. emotions really well. He managed his emotions well in the postgame yeah, he did. interview yep. with Greg and I. I thought that he was really good. and. When you talk to him, now, you got to remember, now he, he comes from a family of coaches. His mom's a coach, dad's a coach. This guy has been grilled, and he is all about sports perfection. So you know that this guy, in his heart, he's a winner. You know he's a winner. He hates to lose. And what I love about that is it's not about his completion percentage. It's not about how many times he can rush for a touchdown. It's not about him, him, him. It's about, I want to win. Yes, I want to win. What can we do to win? It's not about I need to look good for the NFL scouts. I need to make sure that I am getting my NIL and my face and my image and my likeness and I can get my money in the offseason for these next two years. He's a winner. And I want to see him win. I think that first win that he gets will lead to a second win. I think he's hungry, and I hope that the team follows him to it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in his second start uh, after what uh, took place last week in Morgantown. All right, coming up next, we're the last game to kick off. Everything else in the Big 12 is kicked off, so we'll take a look at the day in the Big 12 so far, and there have uh, been some great games and certainly one massive head-scratcher that we'll talk about. You're tuned in to Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. All right, Hans, time for the Big 12 Blitz. Let's uh, head out and look at uh, other games going on. As I mentioned before the break, uh, our game against Iowa State, the last game to kick off in the conference. There are a couple games going on right now. Let's update everybody on some of these other ones. Now, the Oklahoma Sooners will be in town next Saturday. Uh, They right now are at home, and West Virginia scored the first touchdown of this game, and uh, since then it's been 31-0 in terms of the run for the Sooners. They lead 31-7, and there's still a minute left in the first half. Oklahoma, you know, hey, it's like every other team we talk about. You you know, you you think you figured them out, and then... 
they'll lose a game that you're like, wait, what? And now they looking certainly to be back on track uh, right now at least. Well, it's hard to believe, really. I mean, just some of the things that we're seeing is really hard to believe. To think that Kansas lost to Texas Tech, is it's hard to believe. You know, Kansas is a yeah. really good team. Oklahoma State, they find that ranking. And you'll talk about that game in just a second. Oklahoma is thumping a West Virginia team that looked really good last week. Yes. TCU, after looking like a Super Bowl team against BYU, has been lost in the dark. It's been really hard to watch Hoover and that entire TCU team. So it is a bizarre conference right now. You can't, you can't really tell what's up and what's down right now. Well, and you mentioned the, the TCU uh, program. Number seven, Texas, is in Fort Worth right now. And it, it's honestly, it's 10-6. It's not really a, ske- uh, a score that I would have expected. And you, they're just beginning the second quarter. But Texas, you would have expected to kind of go in and lay a whooping early. And they only lead by four. Uh, the only other game going on right now, Cincinnati at Houston. The Bearcats still looking for their first Big 12 win. They do have a touchdown lead at the half. It's 14-7 Bearcats, but you just never you just never know. And that's both good and bad because it makes things exciting, but yet it can also be frustrating when you think you've got a team figured out and then it just kind of throw, it's thrown out of whack. Well, that's just the Big 12 at this point. You know, yeah. and, and it, I think everybody's beat it up each other pretty well. And this Central Florida win is really interesting to me. Yeah, let's get into this one. This one's nuts. Yeah, so Central Florida just put up 600 yards – Again, 600 yards of offense against a defense that you thought would really hold up against Central Florida. Yeah. 45-3 to is the final score that you were talking about. UCF taking down number 15, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State managed three points and gave up 45 to Central Florida. Yeah, Oklahoma State could not run the ball. They held them. I think it was around 80, 75, or 80 yards on the ground. And Oklahoma State had a very balanced offensive and defensive tack. They were about equal. It was about 300 yards of, of, of passing, 300 yards of rushing. You had three touchdowns through the air, three touchdowns on the ground. And it was just a very balanced attack, and it thumped them. You know what's interesting? Uh, Greg Rebell joined me on my show throughout the week. And yeah, I'm still waiting for that invite, but it's fine. Oh, no, we got you. Okay. In fact, we just need you live. We need you in person. Oh, okay. We need Shep at the broadcast. But he mentioned Central Florida at Big 12 Media Days and a lot of the hype and pump that was coming with Central Florida. Yeah. You know, their play-by-play voice is walking around, and his, his nose was in the air a little <laughs> bit. And you had guys kind of floating on a cloud like, yeah, this Big 12 is cute and everything, but you wait till you see what Central Florida can do. And then they just crash until today. Then yeah. they're resurrected for 600 yards of offense and a big win over Oklahoma State. Makes no sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. Uh, Texas Tech goes into Lawrence and defeats Kansas, game-winning field goal, 16-13. So another ranked team loses. And they were down to their third quarterback. It, it's still – Jaden Daniels still has not played quarterback for Kansas since he beat BYU. Yeah. And then Jason Bean got injured out. and went out in the first half. And so they were down to a freshman quarterback in Lawrence, and they fought their way back. The game was tied. Ultimately, Texas Tech gets the win. But that's another one that, you know, you, you certainly didn't 
you you assumed Kansas would go in and win that game today. Well, Kansas is fresh on my mind because it was the video that I watched today. Iowa State and Kansas last week, so I spent a lot of time watching Kansas. Devin Neal in the red zone dismantled Iowa State. Again, the Kansas running back, Devin Neal, in the red zone was just fantastic. Outside of the 20s, in the middle of the field, he was non-existent. But when they got in the red zone, he wrecked them. Being in the middle of the field had a lot of great throws and had time to throw. Yep. And so Kansas was able to get that win against Iowa State last week, and that was a little bit surprising yeah. because Iowa State, I thought going into that game, was going to be a little better team. So it's interesting to me because I think Texas Tech is probably BYU's best win this year. You could maybe argue for Arkansas because Arkansas went and beat Florida last yep, week. Right. And, you know, maybe Arkansas on the road, maybe that's more difficult than Texas Tech here. But perceptually, what I saw BYU do against Texas Tech felt better than what they did against Arkansas, better than what they did against Cincinnati. Well, why do you say that? Because I think they started out strong. Yep. They started yep. out with a fumble recovery in the end zone for a touchdown. They started out by engaging and initiating in the run game. They went over 150 yards of rushing or right around 150 well, two, yards the, the, rushing the against Texas Tech. The two games you're talking about, Texas Tech and the start against Arkansas, could not have been – more different because yeah. Arkansas, you're down 14 nothing right yeah. away. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, do not get down to Iowa State. I'm <laughs> oh, telling you, no. <laughs> Iowa State's a second-half team. Yeah. They've allowed, I think, seven points in the second half so far this season. It's, it, 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 they're, uh, they're giving up like 140 total yards in a second half. So if BYU finds themselves behind in the second half in this game or well behind yeah. in the second half of this game, Shep, that's going to be a tough one because Iowa State, it just feels like Matt Campbell has these guys crank it up after halftime, and they make it really difficult. Well, the team everybody probably needs to worry about is Kansas State. The Wildcats are playing some really good football yeah. right now, and they defeat Baylor in Manhattan today, 59-25. Baylor is uh, – this, this is two – down seasons in a row for Baylor. I'm kind of curious to see how this one plays out. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this coaching staff. You know, I I, I have a lot of faith in what this coaching staff and, does and what their identity is. I just don't know the details on their injuries. I kind of wish BYU was playing them so that I could get more details on what's going on with them just as far as where they started, the injuries that have occurred, and what exactly has happened because Baylor is derailed. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. All right, that's your Big 12 Blitz. The uh, the man himself, Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars, making his way to the headsets now. We'll take a break, and we will talk with him next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America. On the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. The Cougars Cyclones coming your way tonight from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Welcome outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Cougar Canyon. We're happy to be joined by the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Uh, Greg, how are you? You look uh, you look good in the cam. I mean, I, I don't know if you look good. Could you could you find I, me? I, could I can't you see, see yeah. you in your camo, yeah. but uh, look good. I'm so excited. I, I love a I love a game day, but I love a game night yes. at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's that time of year, a chill in the air. 
Uh, Hans is manning the heater here. I, Greg, so, is that, Greg asked me if he could. If no, I, I, did, I did not. I did not. This is all Hans. <laughs> to keep him warm. But it is, uh, it, is a, it is a great night to be back in Provo and uh, to see Iowa State, uh, who has not visited this stadium for 50 years. It yeah. was 1973. The last time the Cyclones played here. And Lavelle Edwards' second season as head coach. That's right. All right, so uh, this is the time where we ask you the personnel questions. You just had your conversation with head coach Kalani Satake. So uh, give us an update on who may be in and out of tonight's uh, football game. Well, of course, last week uh, the first question was going to be about quarterback. That was like the eighth question today because you already know that Jake Retzlaff is is going to start. So Jake Retzlaff uh, gets start number two. Uh, Fennigan remains the backup. Uh, L.J. Martin, who was cleared last week, is again in the same situation but is more likely to play tonight than he was last week. We didn't see L.J. get a snap last week. So another week of, uh, of rehab for L.J. should be good to go. So Robbins and L.J., the primary backs, Cody Epps didn't look good for Cody uh, when he left last week's game in Morgantown, but he cleared this week, so Cody Epps is available. Keanu Hill, who we've not seen for a while, is back and available, but maybe not for a lot of work. 10 to 15 snaps maybe for Keanu Hill. Uh, Darius Lasseter will not play, so another week without Darius, who had really been emerging as a go-to guy and will now miss a second straight game. So your, your wide receiver depth is looking like Marion, Kingston, Roberts, Epps, Hill, Gunther, maybe down to JoJo Phillips again. JoJo got a couple of targets last week, no catches, but JoJo be the next guy in that list. Paul Miley has gotten ready to go again. Best offensive line for BYU has been Kingsley, Miley, Pei, Lapuaho, and Kime. That should be the group that goes tonight uh, starting up front. So that's your offense. Uh, pretty much good to go there. Defensively, Talon Alfrey, haven't said his name in a while, and he is cleared. Oh, that's so good. you won't start tonight, I yeah. wouldn't expect, but you may see some reps from Talon Alfrey, which is a long time in coming and, and good for him. So uh, uh, and Tyler Little has made the switch from O-line to D-line and could provide some depth at D-tackle because BYU's been really banged up at D-tackle. Uh, no Caden Haas, uh, uh, no John Nelson, and so Tyler Little makes that switch, and you could see him tonight. Uh, other than that, uh, that's, that's your group uh, with, uh, again, the big news being that Jake, Jake Retzloff gets start number two and I thought at start number one he gave BYU guys what they hoped they would get from him I thought it was other guys around him that didn't allow the offense to score more than maybe they should have last week I do too and I think that a lot of it had to do with the targets that were missing and no LJ Martin you know they were without a lot no Paul Miley no Paul Miley hurt you know I, I felt like it was really weak on the right side of that offensive line so being able to move Waylon Oboaho back to the right side and have Paul Miley back at the left side at least you've kind of solidified that left side and strengthened up that right side a little bit. So I'm really hopeful in that. But Haas and Nelson, still not available. Still no go, right. And, and no no John Henry Daly, who's more of an edge than an interior, but still D-line's been hit. I really look forward to the matchup tonight because of the way Iowa State plays. They love to load it up. They'll, they'll use, as, as Hans already talked about, a lot of 13 personnel. You could see some 14. They love the tight end. They, they have tight ends they create into the, what they call the F-back position. Acts like kind of a fullback, but really it's like wingbacks. And they'll, they'll wrap a tackle, and they'll lead, and they will overload, and they will make that run game work for them. And, and again, the backs you're seeing in, in Sanders and Norton and Sama, these aren't like the headline guys BYU's been seeing, the two Brookses and, 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 and others. Uh, the Big 12 has so many great yeah. individual. By the way, See, saying that, Ollie Garden, Gordon was held in check by UC. I think he ended up with 20-odd yards it's, today it's out of nowhere. So, But point being, Big 12 running backs are for real, and week in, week out, you're seeing these great backs. And Iowa State more spreads it around. No real highlight back jumps out, but I love the way that all three guys, if you break down the film with these guys and you've seen it, 
You'll see big runs from Sanders. You'll see big runs from Norton. You'll see big runs from Salma. They can all get second level and take it 40 and 50. And so I like the way they approach the game, and then they're really reliable. They don't rely on a ton of wide receivers, but they like who they like, and they like most Jalen Null. And, and he returns it on punts. He returns it on kicks. He's the go-to guy at wide receiver. Uh, Rocco Becht is like uh, Rocco, right? That's a quarterback. Rocco. That is a quarterback. And he is, he's fun. He, he's, he's not overwhelming, uh, but he's got a good pass completion percentage at 62. Uh, and, and he can run around. He scored three times on the ground. I just really like the way Iowa State plays. We haven't even got to the fact that that defense is top three. Yeah. They're always top three yeah. in the Big 12. And so it's a, it's a huge challenge for BYU because the fact is it's one of the best defenses in the conference against statistically the one that struggles the yeah. most right now on offense, and that's BYU. Well, well it's going to be interesting, just the, the defensive aspect of this. And I want people to really look for this because it's unique defensively. What they do with their defensive front, you don't often see a guy that's head up the center and two guys in two techniques just head up the guard. They run this weird defensive bunch set. They did it against Oklahoma State. They did it against Cincinnati, and I saw it last week against Kansas. And then they bring up their linebackers to the edge, right. and they run their wings. And they call it a dime stack, and, and the safeties look like the linebackers in yeah. this case. And so really it's, it's like a trio of safeties that are kind of positioned where you'd expect the linebackers to be with the linebackers then creeping up. It is a unique defense. And how many defenses do we now see that are either 3 3 five, four, two, five, or some variation? It's so rare to see a 3-4 slash 4-3 anymore. Everyone's going to the nickel, and Iowa State's nickel looks just a little bit different. Well, it's interesting because those safeties numbers look like linebackers' numbers. Frailer has 66 tackles. Cooper has 36. Purchase has 40. Now, Purchase runs more the corner, but he will work in on the inside on a nickel, and he really comes up and runs support. So those safeties are very active in the gaps. You've got to make sure that you're climbing next level. Be able to seal up the three, maybe pinch them in, but you've got to find some outside room too. That's why, like, if you want to get Miles Davis going with a pitch and get him on the outside and try to use some outside speed, get some outside run going. Kansas did a really good job of loosening them up in the middle by hitting on the edges, specifically in the red zone. NFL talent on the corner in TJ Tampa. Yep. Two Thorpe Award semifinalists in this game, Jacob Robinson for BYU and TJ Tampa for Iowa State. All right, Greg, uh, I wanted to get this question in before we wrap things up and say goodbye to, to both of you guys to head upstairs. You never want to put more pressure on one game than another. Both of these teams have five wins. Both of these teams, one win away from bowl eligibility. For BYU specifically, what is the importance of tonight in that aspect relative to who you have left on the schedule? And with what we've seen today, who knows how those teams will look. But the importance of tonight for BYU and bowl eligibility. You're running out of chances, right? And and on paper, it's the most winnable game because it's at home and it's not a nationally ranked team. You get a home team next week, but it's Oklahoma who's laying waste right now in their game tonight. And then you finish at Stillwater. Now, what happened today in Orlando (laughs) makes you think a little bit differently about the Oklahoma State season finale, the way they got worked, and you finish at Oklahoma State. So who knows? If it came down to BYU needing one win and they had one game to get it and it was then, well, then it's incredible intrigue and drama, and it might look a little more winnable than it is now. But that said, home game, 9.20 Iowa State body clock kick, uh, things that help BYU out. The, the crowd that we already know has a tactical advantage in these home games, and the fact that they are a perfect team at home so far this year, and they're relying on that that notion of protecting Lavelle's house. And, yes, on paper, by the three games, you might argue most winnable, but by no means something you can say is is a certainty because of just how solid, top-to-bottom, balanced I think Iowa State is. It'll be such a grind. I, 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 I would anticipate a lower-scoring game in this one, and I'm intrigued to see how, uh, how BYU responds because uh, Iowa State, I, I think they're – I think when people pick them a lower tier uh, Big 12 uh, preseason 
balloting. Yeah. They, they missed it a little bit, yeah. and a lot of teams have been missed this year, and, and Iowa State's just one of them. I got you here, boss. Uh, you I, gonna, you, I got you. Are you going to be following Greg up with the heater upstairs? No, I'm taking this home. It's my wife's hair dryer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the new industrial hair dryer. All right. Well, there we go. I, I, dro- I dried my hair with it this morning. Ah, okay. Very nice. <laughs> Hans, thank you so much, Greg. Thank you so much for your insight. Thanks, we'll uh, hear you guys come up in about 30 minutes. You got it. All right, there we go. Hans Olsen and Greg Rubel making their way upstairs. Mitchell Jurgens joins me on the other side. But first, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is the new skin, BYU Sports Network. At Siegfried & Jensen, when we say we're here for you, it's not just a slogan. We live it. Every second of every day, 300. Tuned to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics, the BYU Cougars, getting ready to face the Iowa State Cyclones. I'm joined now by former BYU receiver and our sideline reporter, Mitchell Jurgens. Mitchell, is this the first... Is this the first, like, real cold game you're going to deal with? Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, you say, you're like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm layered. I'm ready for it. So you can always count on the guy from Texas being ready for the cold, at least yeah. attempt to be ready for yeah. the cold. You're looking good in the camo. It's a good look. Hey, thank you. All right. Um, we've seen this in previous seasons where when things go wrong, everybody goes nuclear and demanding changes and, and what isn't working. And, you know, it's, it's the talk of the town. As a former player, how easy or how hard is it to tune that stuff out and focus on the task at hand? Yeah, to, to be honest, Jason, the if if the talk and the chatter is coming from outside of the locker room, it's pretty easy uh, because that stuff's always going to happen. Even if even if the team's winning, there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be chatter um, about you know how they're winning the games or you know somebody shouldn't be in the position that they're in and. And, and that stuff always happens, and that's, that's pretty easy to tune out, um, especially when it comes from outside the locker room. Now, the, the thing that this team, and, and, and again, I haven't heard anything internally, um, but players have to be very careful that if it starts happening inside right. the locker room where there's fingers being pointed and people calling for jobs and, and, and you know, not trusting uh, certain players that are on the field, that's when it gets dangerous. And um, for the record, no, no, we've no. not heard that any of that is happening. No, no absolutely not. So, so with that question... Um, yeah, it, it depends on where it's coming from. But if it's outside, which is kind of where the where the chatter is coming from right now, yeah. it's it's pretty easy to stay you know stay focused on the task um, because that stuff it, it, you know it's it's coming from sources that you know they they don't know what's going on in in the meeting rooms. They don't know what's going on in the position group meeting rooms. Uh, they don't know any of that, and and so it's it's pretty easy to just stay focused. All right, let's. I want to ask you what I, I just asked Greg a few minutes ago. You've got three cracks at getting to the sixth win and becoming bowl eligible. How big is tonight for that reason? Yeah, uh, until they get the sixth win, um, I feel like this conversation is going to be <laughs> it, it's it's incredibly important yeah. because you are you heard Greg say it, you're running out of chances. Um, this is especially and, and as we look at the schedule and it's been um, you know prior to today you'd say that this is the most winnable game. Who knows what's happening with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? The big loss that they faced. Um, but to be here at home with the opportunity to clinch at 8:15, where yeah. BYU has played so well, I mean, this is 
this is the perfect scenario to to get the monkey off your back, right? Take the pressure off and and then be able to potentially go make something happen sure. against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State with a win tonight. So um, I love it. It's it's a big game. They've now found themselves in a position where after two really, really tough losses, who is this BYU yeah. team? And, and I do. I fully expect a lot of these players, they were they were punched in the mouth twice in a row. They're not going to like that, yeah. right? And I, and I hope and, and, and really hope that we can see that on the field, the tenacity, um, the physicality, the mentality as well. Like, are they, are they playing as if they just lost two games and this is the most important game? I think we're going to see it. I really hope. I really hope we do because it is. If they can win this one, then they punch their ticket, and then I believe can make potentially something more happen yes, with the next two games. Well, there's there's no question. Let's see. Let's you know. Let, you don't want to put the cart before the horse, but exactly. let's say BYU does get the win tonight, and they've got the sixth win. Then you're talking about the opportunity for for a seven win season, at least if you can get one of the next two, or or even better than seven. We you know, but you're talking about seven being realistic. In your first year in the Big yeah. 12, like, everybody before the season said, if BYU could get to seven wins, what a fantastic year. Well, you win this one tonight, it's very realistic. Oh, absolutely, and and, and they can. It's I mean, we've seen flashes yep. of greatness, but with everything going on, right, you can't point to yep. one position yep. group. They all have to step up. No question, and obviously eyes will be on Jake Retzloff making yep. his second start tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to see... The growth from him in his first start to start number two. What do you expect from Retzloff tonight, having a start already under his belt? Yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm really surprised at, at first off to see in his first start. I was not expecting Jake to be as confident, um, to be as decisive as he was in his first start. You see, you know, um, the quarterbacks making their first D1 starts and and they're maybe on their heels a little bit. They're they're uncomfortable and yeah. and that was not the case no. from snap 1. He was getting the ball out really really fast uh, and props to Aaron Roddick in the beginning to um, set up kind of just those quick decision plays for Jake. But and I don't mean to interrupt you. Do you think that some of that is because he's a Juco guy and has had starts before? Do you think how much do you think that plays into him just being comfortable in the situation not being too big? Yeah, I mean potentially. I mean, and 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 the thing that I think confirmed that to me is in his post game interview. I loved his post game interview with with uh, Greg and Hans. And um, what stood out to me most is this guy's a winner. He obviously was not pleased with the scoreboard. You know, people were impressed with the way that he played, but to him. He was not satisfied, right? He's going to go back, and, and even though he played pretty, pretty well, yeah. um, he's going to come out and, and make the changes and do everything he possibly can to put this offense in a position to score and win the game. Um, and as far as your expectations, I, I do expect to see a little bit more of the, the usage of his legs. Um, there were some some great plays that he, he was able to do. Um, I think they need to take a little bit more advantage of that, right? Um, putting yourself in manageable third downs on first or second with some draw plays, maybe some, some RPOs or, or some quarterback keepers um, that, he can, that he can take and run with it. Um, if they can rely a little bit more on that, I think um, with his arm, I mean, he's, he's got a rocket of an arm. Um, now, with all that said, the supporting cast has to step up and support him much better. Spe- specifically, you know, being a receiver, watching the receivers, they're not winning as many contested catches as as they should be. And in a in, in a game, especially like tonight, with the the strength of the secondary of Iowa State, you have to a quarterback has to be able to trust that you know I can't throw it 
to a receiver when he's open every single time. Uh, you're going to have to trust that your receiver is going to go make a play, make a contested catch, and they've got to support him and step up. And if they do that, I think, uh, again, we'll see some some pretty amazing things from Jake tonight. Let's talk about the BYU defense. And this matchup, the, the Iowa State offense is different than what we've seen from most of the other Big 12 games that the Cougars have played. In, in terms of they don't have that one-to or that, that one-go-to guy that you know is the workhorse on the ground yep. that you, you scheme all week for and, and puts fear in you because you see the number of yards he puts up in the, in the yards per carry. They don't have that. Now, they run the ball, but they do it with a couple of different guys. Where can the BYU defense take advantage in a situation like this versus what they've been going up against recently? Yeah, uh, you know – this and what could have hurt them right in their preparation with these previous games is because you you focus in on one single back yeah you do you lose sight of and if we go back to some of these previous games it wasn't just the Amani Bailey it wasn't just um you know the these these powerhouse running backs that made a difference and and, and hurt the BYU defense they'd have a, the next guy come in the next man up and and do just as much damage it felt like yeah um and so when you key in on one player that can that can affect the preparation a little bit with knowing that they're going to be a little bit more balanced in the run game, um, not knowing it's you know it's going to go to one player over another, um, you're going to be ready for everything. Um, the hope is too that I mean this this offense does not look it's not the offense that that this defense has faced yeah. in previous games, yeah. right? They have an opportunity, and where I think they can take advantage the most is. Um, time of possession is a big stat um, that that has been uh, crucial in a lot of games this year. Um, with a a subpar offense in Iowa State, if the defense can force the ball into Jake's hands more and more, give them more opportunities, I think um, you know the defense can can complement the offense a little bit better today by giving Jake as many opportunities with a guy making his first home start. Um, it, it's you know and, and, and against a tough defense in in the Cyclones, um, they're going to need as many at bats, as many opportunities yeah. as they possibly can to get points on the board. And so if the defense can step up, force some three and outs, force some uh, you know flipping the field. If they can do that, then I think that puts that that helps kind of the balance of um, the or get the offense going so that they can put some points on the board because they haven't really done that the last couple last couple games. Last thing, and you you've touched on a couple of these tonight is Kalani's 100th game as head coach for BYU. For 100 to be celebrated with a win, what, what's what do you want to see from BYU tonight? What does that look like? Yeah, I'm going to say so. 24 points. Okay. Um, this is when I was a player um, under Bronco. Uh, he had three pillars of excellence, and one of those pillars was the number 24. Yep. On offense, if you score 24 or more, then your chances of winning the game skyrockets. Uh, on the flip side of that, on defense, if you can hold them under 24, then again, your chances of winning the game skyrockets. If both of them happen, then yep. obviously it's 100% you're going to win the game, but 24 is the kicker. The last couple of games and then these big bad losses that BYU has faced in, in TCU, Texas, and West Virginia – they haven't even gotten close to that number. If BYU wants to compete and put together a, 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 you know, a game plan that's going to continue to work here in the Big 12, in my opinion, 24 has got to be that number. Um, so if the offense can put up 24 points, I think you're going to find yourself in a really good position to potentially win this game with a struggling Iowa State offense. Um, on top of that, they may not have as many opportunities, again, because the defense is, is very stout and very physical. So 100% scoring in the red zone. Whether it's a field goal, whether it's, you know, hopefully those can be touchdowns, yeah. but be, be perfect in the red zone and get to 24. And I think if they can do that, 
Kalani gets his uh, gets a win in his hundredth game. You think BY or Bronco picked that number because he was a fan of the TV show Twenty Four? I don't know. If you see, you, you watch that. It. It's oh, one absolutely. of the best. It's one of the best shows ever. Yeah, if you have not seen the series Twenty Four with Kiefer Sutherland, I highly recommend going back. And getting, but you're right. Yeah. That that those pillars that twenty four for whatever reason I mean there was there was data behind that he oh, didn't yeah. just randomly pick it he was he was right more times than he was wrong with the twenty four yeah it's pretty crazy so I mean it's a it's it's a big lift considering where the where this team has yep. been the last two weeks but um, the hope is again those those two losses that stings yes. in back to back appearances so I expect a very different football team tonight with mentality physicality. They, they do not want that to happen again. They were, you know, Kalani said it, they were embarrassed, yeah. right? And, and, and I think we're going to see a result on the field that's, that's intent is to not let that happen again. It's all here. It's a, it's a night game. It's cold. Yep. We got the blackout. We got chocolate cougar tails tonight. I'm all for it. It's all ready. It's yeah. all there in front of them. Mitch, great stuff as always, man. Uh, we'll let you go, and uh, we'll hear you on the broadcast tonight. Thanks, Jason. You bet. There we go. On the other side, high praise for Lavelle Edwards Stadium and Kalani Satake from Matt Campbell. Here from the Cyclones head coach next on Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar pregame live brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. Getting you ready for BYU and Iowa State. Matt Campbell in his eighth season in Ames and has his team one win away from bowl eligibility. In his weekly press conference, Coach Campbell was asked about the difficulty of playing at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yeah, I don't know if it's extra motivation. I just think it's a reality of, you know, this team's undefeated at home this year. You know, you know how special this place is to play and what they've made it over the history of the last 30 to 40 years. And, you know, the honor, I, you know, for me growing up as a kid, I remember watching the ESPN games at night and you'd watch Lavelle Edwards and you'd watch this this BYU team and you were just in awe of how they operated and, and the precision and detail. And, you know, I, I've got the utmost head, the respect for their head football coach right now I, I i said if i had a you know my sons i'd be honored for them to play for him and you know just uh, a lot of respect for for what this program's about we know we'll get their best shot and how they play the game and it's going to be a great opportunity but a great challenge for this team all right uh, while the cougar defense is coming off a disappointing performance at west virginia and uh, just for uh, for my producer we're going to move ahead to uh, matt campbell three uh, Coach Campbell is aware of uh, how well the BYU defense has played on that side of the ball overall this season. I really think it starts a little bit with their defensive front. You know, those two ends, you know, and, and there's a rotation of about three of them. They're, they've got great size, great length. Man, they're physical at the point of attack, and then it, I think it trickles down to the second level, and that second level, those guys can run. They, I think the one thing that they've got across the board is size and athleticism where their length can be a factor. You know, they get their hands on a lot of balls. Um, you know, they're really physical at the point of attack, and, you know, they, they present a great challenge because of that. And then, again, a lot of experience. There's the guys that have played a lot of football, you know, both age and playing experience. But, uh, yeah, they'll be a good factor there, and I think their size and athleticism certainly stick off, you know, stick out from the film. 
As has been mentioned several times already, both teams are one win away from six on the season and obviously bowl eligibility. Coach Campbell was asked what that accomplishment would mean for his team, but I also think his comments are applicable for BYU as well. Yeah, I, I just think it's another huge milestone forward. You know, I, I think there's milestones in a football season and in a journey that you that you look at and you just say, man, those are things that tell you you're going in the right direction. You know, win the first game. You know, man, can you win two in a row? You know, can you win on the road? Um, man, can you get to six wins in college football? Uh, there's all these little milestones along the way that are, are just great milestones for any football program that you want to be able to celebrate. That doesn't define success at the end of the year or or failure, but it certainly gives you a guidance on who you are and where you're going. And, you know, again, for this young football team to grow forward, especially the growth in a lot of areas we've been able to make from a year ago and, you know, where we need to continue to grow forward to, I still think a lot of great things out there for this team right now to continue to grow and get better. That was the head coach of Iowa State, Matt Campbell. We'll take a break, come back and wrap things up from outside in Cougar pregame live next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU in the Big 12 plays right here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Yes, it does, and that is a uh, an appropriate rejoin, uh, seeing as how we're going to hit uh, a couple of scores out of the Big 12. We had our Big 12 Blitz uh, about uh, half an hour ago, but let's update you on some other action that's going on within the conference. Uh, I think at the time when Hans and I were discussing the uh, Texas at TCU game, we were a bit surprised that it was just 10 to 6. Uh, there was still most of the second quarter to play. Well, uh, Texas made the most of that second quarter. They ended up scoring 16 more points. It's now 26 to 6, halftime in Fort Worth. Cincinnati has increased its lead on the road at Houston. It was 14 to 7. It is now 17 7 in favor of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Number 17, Oklahoma, still leading big at home in Norman over West Virginia. It is 38-14. Don't forget the Sooners will be right here in Provo coming up next Saturday. And by the way, speaking of that, we should be knowing the uh, kickoff times uh, at the latest by Monday. There's a chance we may know tomorrow, uh, but we should know that either tomorrow or on uh, Monday for sure what time that game is going to kick off. Earlier today it was Texas Tech upsetting at number 16, Kansas, 16-13. to They had a game-winning field goal for the Red Raiders to knock off the Jayhawks. The Jayhawks down to their third-string quarterback in that game. K-State gets the win big at home over Baylor, 59-25. to And the shocker, the head-scratcher of the day, UCF absolutely destroys Oklahoma State in Orlando, 45-3. to Nobody, I repeat, nobody saw that score coming. That's your uh, updated schedule and scores out of the Big 12. We're going to wrap things up from outside. Coming up next, it is the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with head coach Kalani Satake and Greg Rubel. That's coming your way next. You've been listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to hear from the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake. This is the Cougar Pregame Coaches Show, presented by Zions Bank. 
For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's join Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening, Cougar football fans. Happy Veterans Day and welcome inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the beautiful Brigham Young University campus in Provo, Utah, as the Cougars tonight play their penultimate home game of the 2023 college campaign. It is BYU home to Iowa State with the Cyclones blowing into Provo for the first time in 50 years. For both teams, bowl eligibility is on the line, just as it was for both teams in BYU's last game last week in West Virginia. I'm Greg Grubel. I'll have your play-by-play call for this Saturday night showdown. I'm joined in our All-Pro Capital broadcast booth by the big man, former BYU and NFL lineman Hans Olsen. And last week, it was West Virginia punching its postseason ticket, keeping BYU once again one win away from locking down a bowl bid. And with only three regular season games left to play, chances are dwindling. And tonight's opportunity is on paper the best shot the Cougars have to secure a postseason berth. After tonight, a pair of top 20 CFP teams are on deck. Oklahoma here next week and Oklahoma State, which will probably drop in the CFP rankings quite a bit after what happened today in Orlando, but Oklahoma State is the road finale for BYU. Hands, it's not do or die, but it's pretty close to that tonight. So I was talking about this with Shep in the pregame, and I really feel passionately about this. I'm not overly concerned about Iowa State and the win tonight. Based off of what we saw against West Virginia, what I'm concerned about is watching actual good football. I want to see things take form. I want to see things look right, feel right. I want to see the energy spark. I want to see this look like a team that's well-coached, that's well-oiled. I want to see things that actually resemble football. That's what I want to see. Because if they can't get the win tonight and they look good as a football team, at least we have something to look forward to. So I just want to see a better football team on the field tonight. So you're of the opinion of let football chips fall where they may, whether it's Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Take each one as it comes. Just look better so that you give yourself as much of a chance as you're going to get. Have that chance in all three games. 100%. Just improve. Look better. I want to see a week of practice reflect on this game on this game field tonight. I want to see it that this team saw what they were doing wrong because I saw what they were doing wrong, and I want to see those things start to clean up tonight. So yeah, just make it look better tonight. Coming up next, we'll get BYU head coach Kalani Sitake's pregame thoughts ahead of tonight's set two with the Cyclones. This is the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. My pregame conversation with Kalani Sitake after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show continues. Once again, here's Greg Rubel. We are coming your way live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo. This is the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show. Tonight, pair of five and four Big 12 teams facing off. BYU two and four in league, home two. Iowa State, the Cyclones, four and two in conference play. There are already six bowl-eligible Big 12 teams. There will be seven 
a few hours from now, tonight's game here in Provo, the only Big 12 game with bowl eligibility on the line this weekend. So six bowl teams in. There will be a seventh tonight, and the Big 12 is already guaranteed of having at least eight bowl teams, so all the bowl slots for the league will be filled this year. Time now for my pregame conversation with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. It's brought to you by Zions Bank. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. And with BYU coming off back-to-back losses and uh, backs increasingly against the wall, Kalani tonight talks about the value of sheer determination to come up with a home win that would punch the Cougars postseason ticket. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a it's a uh, uh, you know sense of urgency game for both them and us, and so I think the uh, you know for for us they we're at home. Uh, we've been really good at home. Uh, we've won every game at home, so uh, this is a great time for us after being on the road two uh, two weeks in a row. Uh, but but more than anything, I'd like to see us uh, be little bit more sound in our assignments and be getting our rhythm in all three phases and I think if we can get that done we'll be in a really good position but you have to give them a lot of credit I- Iowa State's well coached Matt Campbell's a, a, a dang good coach yeah. uh, he knows how to get his guys ready they see that there's a lot of shake up in, in the in the Big 12 and uh, they, I mean they can kind of control their destiny if you look at who they have after this game and who we have after this game it's, it's, it's kind of relevant for us we're both sitting at 5-4 and four. we both want to get to a bowl game it's vital to our program so we're both wanting it really bad to see who wants it the most it's tough to be perfect at home 14 teams in the big 12 only four have yet to lose a home game and you're one of those 14 yeah it's a good sign and that, that tells you how uh, how effective our our fans can be and um from our student section to all our fans uh, just the noise and the level that they bring i think it's important that we give them an opportunity to get noisy you know so uh i i've i've uh, that's a, that's a responsibility on us in all three phases to get them in this game. If we can get them involved in the game quickly, I think it'll be a fun night. And you've had stronger, quicker starts at home. Yes, yes. And so whatever the reason is, I, I uh, you know, I normally don't look into things like that, but it's like, hey, it works in our favor. So, um, But you can't just uh, assume it's going to happen. You have to go out and make it happen. And I think that the, the team's really embarrassed from last week's performance. Uh, they know they can play better than that. And, and um, But... If you look at what's what's happened in the Big 12 week to week to week, it's 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 uh, unpredictable, uh, and I'd like to see us be un- unpredictably really nice this week, uh, this 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 uh, game tonight, and uh, let's see if we can be effective. And uh, for me, it's just like doing, just not making mistakes in, in terms of last week we we delay a game to start the game. That's not a good way to start. You know? Ten penalties on the night. Yeah, and so undisciplined, not like us, and some of them were questionable, but it doesn't really matter for us. It's not allow the refs to be part of the game, and let's just find a way to play clean, play discipline, and, and make plays. And that means all three phases just really clicking. I thought Jake Retzlaff played well enough to actually help lead the team to more than the seven points you guys scored last week. I thought he played well, and he gets a start again tonight. Yeah, got, we have to avoid the drive killers. And, and, and with those penalties or um, any momentum uh, uh, killers can happen when, you, when you're when you making big mistakes and giving up big plays uh, on, on whether it's a turnover or just not executing the play altogether. Uh, need to find ways to get positive yards on first and second down, and I don't mind getting first downs on first and second down. We don't if we don't need to go to third and fourth, let's not do it. But um, I feel I feel really good about what Jake's done. I've said this before that that a lot of times the the improvement from week one to week two is the biggest jump you'll see in, in, in on a team. Well, it's that way individually too. So you have to remember that week one was for him last week, and I'm excited to see how week two goes for him and the improvement he's made. Some personnel notes. Uh, Cody Epps left last week's game, but it looks like he's good to go for tonight. 
He is, and he's cleared. Uh, it's a miracle that what, what they've been able to do with the training room and our doctors with him. And uh, you know, we're excited to have him back. Um, so he'll be he'll be ready to play. Um, unfortunately, Darius will not be. Um, Keanu will be ready to play as well. And uh, there's a lot of guys that are returning back. L.J. Martin and um, you know, on, on on defense, we'll see Town Alfrey's back again. So there's going to be quite a few guys that are going to be on the field for us. Paul Miley's back to us from O line. So. Uh, Guys that missed last week, we'll have a lot more that can play this week. You alluded to it uh, a few moments ago, but uh, what a day it's already been in the Big 12. Week to week, you just don't know. Yeah, and that's in every sport, too. So, you know, we, we're, we're having a lot of energy, and I, I know that the fans can make a difference just like they did last night in the soccer game they did in the basketball game. So I'm really looking forward to uh, our team getting, get, getting some entertaining going, get them getting loud. Uh, just back to the Iowa State uh, challenge tonight for a moment. If there's something you simply have to do to stop a, my, a Matt Campbell team or keep them where you want them to be, what do you think that might be? Well, we have to be able to control the run game. And, and when we do that, we have a chance. And, uh, I think they hang their hat on being physical and running the ball downhill. Uh, and we have to match the intensity. That that didn't happen last week for whatever reason, but it has to be different now. And, and that was uh, I'd like to say that was an uh, unusual uh, performance last week. Uh, I know that uh, watching the film, I, I guarantee you Iowa State's going to be excited to try to do that again and replicate what, what West Virginia did. So it's just a, a battle of wills, like you said at the beginning of this interview. Who wants it the most? Who's willing to sacrifice and stop what they're good at? And, and if we can do that and get them, get them in some compromising position in third and long, we're really good when we can get that done. Uh, um, so we'll see what happens, but I feel good about overall the team and the preparation. I'd like to see them make that make that um, huge jump and flip the switch tonight and be uh, the best that we've been all year. It needs to happen tonight. How much is bowl eligibility driving this team, knowing that both teams are playing for the same thing tonight? Yeah, I think um, you know last week hearing uh, West Virginia be so excited that they're bowl eligible, I think was. Uh, kind of got our guys attention it's something that that you you strive for something that you really want to have happen and it's what the the you know the program needs it and so we, we need to get that done and, and it means that you're winning games so we, we'd like to get that done finally coach it was a beautiful fall day here in Provo and it's a, it's a beautiful fall night with a full house it's meaningful football in November in the Big 12 Iowa State's not been here for 50 years they're back what a great setup oh yeah anytime you're in Lavelle Edwards Stadium uh, it's a beautiful scene and, and we're excited to be back home uh, it's been a, it's been a few weeks and we're, we're ready to go and I'm excited that the fans are there I just went through Kruger walk and went through front of the rock and uh they're they're excited to go so here we go here we go let's have some fun all right have a great night tonight we'll talk to you post game go kooks thank you that is byu head coach kalani sitake and this has been the zions bank cougar pregame coaches show as we head to break let's get you tonight's forward keys to the game they're brought to you by your local ford stores byu football is built ford proud Hans Olsen, what do you have for tonight's keys for BYU? Well, let's get right into this because I found it really interesting on film. When you watch this Iowa State team against Oklahoma State or you watched them last week against Kansas, if you're looking at the film, you're thinking, wait a second, there's a lot of pressure. But they've only got 14 sacks. Well, you go back and you look at the numbers, they've got 52 quarterback hurries on the season. 52. 52 quarterback hurries. Matt Campbell has not had 52 in a season. These guys are pressuring the quarterback. They're not necessarily sacking the quarterback. So They're not always getting home, but they're getting close. But they're getting close. And, you know, BYU's had some similarities. You know, yep. they get close. They'll definitely pressure a quarterback. Not a ton of sacks. In fact, the fewest sacks in the country currently as listed. But this is a team that puts pressure on a quarterback. So 
this BYU offensive line is going to be tested, and they need to show up strong today. All right, so with number one being said, get the ball out of Jake Retzlaff's hands very quick. His best throws are all short to intermediate three-step passes. Is this key two? This is key number two. So with key number one being said, key number two is getting the ball out of Jake Retzlaff's hands, getting him into those quick throws, being able to dial up those wide slants, being able to dial up some of those drags and some of those quick button hooks, some of those quick dig routes, and being able to really pound that ball in and getting it out of Jake Retzlaff's hands. That'll loosen up the outside linebackers. Because as you've seen, Greg, they love to play those outside linebackers just up just a touch, or they bring up those safeties up a touch. Force them to drop and respect those quick slants and those quick digs. Number three, BYU started on fire against Texas Tech. The way it worked out here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, the last time they got the win here, they had 150 yards rushing. L.J. Martin went for 100. Aiden Robbins went for 50. And you had an offense that got the run game going, and they started early. This is really interesting. Iowa State's opponents are averaging seven points and only 157 yards in the second half of these games. You cannot and you will not go in the half down to Iowa State. If you do, it's a long road back to square. Those are the keys to the game. And, yes, in the Matt Campbell era, Iowa State locks it down when they have that halftime lead. They are 40-5 and five yeah. when they lead at the break. They play a 30-minute game to take you out of it, and if you are down, you're almost always out. They know how to finish. These guys. All right, good stuff. That's Hans Olsen in tonight's forward keys to the game. Cougar kickoff show coming up next. This is BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. We're getting closer to kickoff of BYU football. You're tuned to the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Ken Garf, we hear you. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by Bailey's. We move with you every step of the way since 1952. Also brought to you by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Now, let's head live to the All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Once again, Cougar Nation, welcome back inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a late Saturday night showdown between BYU and Iowa State. One of the few teams to have played multiple games against BYU without a loss. The Cougars tonight looking for their first win versus the Cyclones ever against four losses. All the previous games, uh, they were played in days of yore. The 1960s and the 1970s. It's been 49 years since these teams last met. And a half century since Iowa State last played here. BYU and ISU will take next year off before the Cougars travel to Ames in 2025. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show presented by Ken Garf. Whatever your vehicle needs are, go to KenGarf.com. Ken Garf, we hear you. Greg Rubel, Hans Olsen of the broadcast booth, former BYU wide receiver. Mitchell Jurgens will join us from the sidelines and the Zions Bank end zone for 150 years of helping you succeed. Zions Bank is for you. Our Cougar Canyon and scoreboard host, Jason Shepard, booth engineers, Michael Wimmer and Clark Jackman. Cougar Canyon engineers, Barry Squires and Sean O'Neill. Our spotters, Matt Jarvis, statistician, Ralph Sokolowski, coordinating producer, Terry South, control board operators, Seth Larson and Derek Dungan. 
Stats interns are Jerem Hartzell and Jonathan Hull. And you are tuned in on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our satellite flagship, BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Our Salt Lake City over-the-air flagship, KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. You can listen on the BYU Radio app, the KSL apps, as well as on BYURadio.org and our network affiliates in Utah and Idaho. And be sure to subscribe to the BYU Football Podcast for broadcast archives and highlights quarter by quarter. You can also get those on the BYU Radio app and at BYURadio.org. Simply search sports or shows and look for BYU Football. All right, that's housekeeping. Last week, the pregame intrigue centered on the quarterback question as BYU ended up with uh, a banged-up Keaton Slovis being arrested to give Jake Retzloff his first career start at WVU. This week, no waiting or wondering and no doubt about who BYU's starter is. Aaron Roderick confirming by midweek that Retzloff would get another start this week. Slovis remains on the mend. And as to whether he gets his old job back, that'll depend on both his health and how BYU's offense continues to develop and ideally improve with Retzloff at the helm. In his first start, wasn't bad. 24 for 42, 210, no touchdowns but no picks. He gained almost 50 rushing yards before he take off the sack yardage. There were drop balls. There was a lost fumble from a wide receiver inside the red zone. There was a missed field goal. BYU went 0 for 3 on fourth downs. In short, BYU should have expected to score more than the 7 they got for how well Jake led the team. I thought, Hans, I was impressed by pretty much everything I saw from the JUCO transfer. Yeah, and I want to see him take the next step, but I was too, Greg. So just a couple of things, just in comparison to Keaton Slovis, and I, and I don't want this to be a bag on Keaton moment because I think Keaton carried certain moments of this season. But Keaton has only been over 24 completions two times in his eight games. Keaton has only gone over 200 yards three times in his eight games, only twice against FBS opponents. So Jake Retzloff comes out. He hits those numbers in his first start, and it's impressive. I'm going to add this, too, because I think it's necessary. Keaton Slovis had, through the season, had Darius Lassiter. Keaton Slovis, through the season, had parts of Keanu Hill or Cody Epps. For crying out loud, you lost about everybody. Chase Roberts goes down for a good portion of that game. Darius Lassiter does not play you don't have Cody Cody went out Cody Epps goes out of that game so you don't have your weapons and he still goes over 200 yards so to your point Greg I felt like he's a good field general I feel like he gives you a nice rushing presence I feel like you have to respect that and and I feel like he showed us enough in completions that I'm encouraged on what he could potentially do tonight against Iowa State yeah me too Uh, what happens at the quarterback spot will be very interesting moving forward here in these next few weeks And hopefully more beyond that, because there's a bowl game in the offing for BYU with one more win. First of all, Keaton's got to get healthy, right? Uh, Then he'll have to prove that his arm action gives BYU as much or more as Jake Retzloff does with his arms and legs and his ability to extend and make a play. Whether BYU gets bowl eligible or not may also factor into what BYU wants to do. Then there's the planning for the future part, too, because BYU may want to see if they've got their game one starter for next season in Jake Retzloff right now. So it's great timing with what Jake Retzloff right right now, what he has. I mean, where you've got three games left, he'll play the four, he could have the fifth with the bowl game, and he could still have the two years of eligibility. So he could absolutely be your future for the next two years. And you've got to look at it that way. 
I'm glad that I'm an analyst and I'm not the offensive coordinator because I can speak a little bit more freely on this. At this point, I'm just engaging Jake Retzloff as my starter. I'm telling him, you're finishing this season, so prepare like it. Get your mind right like it. This is a kid that grew up with two coaches as parents. This is a kid that is very mentally tough. So I'm telling him, lead your team like this is your team through the remainder three of the regular season and potentially a fourth with a bowl game. Take it, run with it. I'm Now, that's not how I would handle it as an offensive coordinator because I got to keep that game, I got to keep that thing going, I got to keep Keaton Slovis involved, and I got to keep Jake Retzloff feeling like he's got pressure from behind. But I really feel like he should be the starter through the remainder. And it's a small thing, but we talked to him moments after his team had just gotten worked 37 to 7 in our postgame interview last week. What did you make of that interview with Jake Retzloff? I thought he was great, very polished, and I thought he was just committed to winning. Uh, what I took from that interview was a kid that just doesn't care about anything personal. He just doesn't care about NILs. He doesn't care about money. He doesn't really care about his stats, padding it with touchdowns, rushing touchdown, rushing yards. He doesn't care about his yardage. What he came across to me as a guy that I, win. I, I will win. do whatever. And I'm used to winning. And I'm used to winning. I hate losing. I'm used to winning. Show me what I can do to win. I'll do it. If you tell me to throw it 45 times, I'll throw it 45 times. If you tell me to run an option attack, I'll run an option attack. Just show me what you want me to do. I'll go out there and win. I don't care what my numbers look like. I don't care how much you pay me. And I don't even care if I talk to Hanson Greg in the postgame. I don't need to be that guy. Put Connor Pay on the headset. I just want to win. That's what I took from him. Time now to identify this week's E-Assist player to watch for BYU brought to you by the E-Assist Dental Health Education Foundation reminding you that dental cleanings are essential for your health. Hans, who do you have an eye on as a BYU player to watch tonight? Well, I know it's redundant, but it's got to be said. It's got to be Jake Retzloff again. He's got to take the next step. Now, it's Iowa State defense. Iowa State defense is quirky. They've got a lot of zone looks that really frustrate and confuse offensive uh, lines and quarterbacks. You know, I, I, you take a lot of pride in what BYU's done defensively in their interceptions, right? I mean, BYU has collected a lot of interceptions. But how about this Iowa State defense? 14 picks on the year. They've got guys with multiple picks. They're, I think, number nine in the country in interceptions. This is a team that will confuse a quarterback. This is a team that will show you multiple looks and it's a team that BYU's offense really has to settle in against. Actually fifth in the country in passes picked off coming in two tonight. All right, we'll have more of the Ken Garf kickoff show coming up. As we break, we remind you to go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you trust. More pregame coverage from Lavelle Edwards Stadium coming up right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and Iowa State coming up at 25 past the hour now with a TV slide. One of these two teams will be the Big 12's seventh bowl eligible team by the end of this night. And Hans, for BYU to play in the postseason after its first season as a power conference member, 
I think that'll be a significant accomplishment. Despite the struggles of this season, there have been some, right? If BYU gets to 6-4 and four through 10 games, that's a really positive first step in this program's new era. Oh, it'd be a great first step. And wins against Cincinnati, Texas Tech, and Iowa State. Come on, that, that's, that's nice. I really like the vision of that. So you know me, I'm a competitive guy, very competitive person. And one thing that I would be thinking if I was a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman on this BYU football team, I am not going to let two teams in back-to-back weeks get to bowl eligibility with my loss. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to let West Virginia use me as the stepping stone to their bowl eligibility. I'm not going to let Iowa State get to bowl eligibility while I'm the one that's seeking and hunting it. That is just me getting thumped, trying to get what I'm looking for and the teams I'm playing against getting what they're looking for. I'm not letting that happen. And Kalani noted in our pregame interview, he said we saw West Virginia celebrate that fact last week. Iowa State wants to have that same celebration tonight. Yes, BYU is one win away from postseason qualification, but BYU's also struggled in its first Big 12 season, especially on offense, where BYU ranks out of the 14 teams now, 13th in scoring, last in total offense, last in yards per play, last in touchdowns, last in rushing, last in pass efficiency. I didn't think BYU would have the best offense in the Big 12, but I didn't think they'd be where they are either at the back of the pack. And every position kind of shares in this, certainly, but it's fair to say that the coaches have been maybe the most frustrated and surprised with what hasn't happened up front. What they thought, I think they thought they had a line that would, that would push some people around this year. And, and Hans, you spent so much time analyzing line play offensively. Where did it go wrong for BYU? And can they yet try to make it right this season? And let's note, and, and Kalani did in pregame, having Paul Miley in at left guard as he will be tonight is big. I think they think BYU's best line play has come with Miley and Lapuaho at the guards, Connor at center, Kingsley and uh, Kaim at, at the tackles. That is the line the Cougars should start with tonight. They are the better line for sure. So I'm excited he's back. How much time do we got here, Greg? Because I could take a minute. Um, I'm just going to go into a single play to kind of help BYU fans visualize what's happening with this BYU front. So last week against West Virginia, you're running a twin set to the weak side. You're going to run a fake fly sweep counter right. So they're going to fake the fly sweep. So the slot receiver is going to start in motion and fake the fly sweep, and they're going to counter back to the right. You're pulling your left guard and your left tackle around and you've got your right tackle that's supposed to be blocking either D end or linebacker. So as the play develops, the slot goes in motion. West Virginia forms into zone look so they don't man, they don't go with them. So the nickel steps up on the edge and all of a sudden you've got an end, an outside linebacker and a nickel. You've got three defenders. You're pulling two guys. So you got the two you got the two counter pullers. So that DN has to either take the end over him or he's got to take the linebacker. He he veered in and he blocked grass. So you're talking about the, the offensive tackle in this case. Yes, the yeah. offensive tackle veered in and he blocked grass. So as the pullers came, the first puller picked up the D end, the second puller picked up the nickel. And the linebacker is standing right there to make a tackle for a one-yard gain. That should have been blocked by the tackle. 100%. So a couple of things. 
instead of faking the fly sweep, if I'm in zone, I run my two receivers deep and I try to force that nickel back deep, and then I can hook the end and you can and you can block to that backside. But it's a long way of saying, Greg, the scheme is as is as poor right now as some of the effort and some of the blocking of the individual. So you can't have a numbers game victory as many times as the defenses have had a number game victory against this offensive front. That's Hans Olsen with his breakdown. Time now for tonight's Hyatt Place Comfort Zone feature at Hyatt Place Provo. Your convenience and comfort will always be our highest priority. And BYU remains very comfortable when Ryan Rico has to step onto the field. He ranks third nationally in punt average, and BYU ranks 22nd in net punting. BYU has that rare combination of great punt length and a strong net punt result. And last week at West Virginia, BYU held the Mountaineers without a single punt return. That's important because going into the game, BYU had defended more punt returns than any other team in the country. Now, there's no doubt the absence of Gunnar Marcus McKenzie, man, he's been gone for too long, right? The absence of Marcus McKenzie has hurt the BYU punt cover team, but the Cougars have been a good field position team most of the year, thanks in large part to a strong punt and punt cover game. Well, they're very good, and we've seen a lot of turnovers caused and forced. You know, we saw one by Marcus McKenzie. We saw one by Tyler Batty a couple of weeks ago. In fact, the last time I think BYU got a win. Tyler Batty was forcing a fumble on a punt cover. So they have done some really good things in those special teams. You know, I watched the Iowa State special teams against Kansas, and they had a return that would have essentially been a touchdown. It was called back at like the 20 or the 25 because they said he stepped out of bounds, but he was up the sideline free and clear. So special teams are going to be really big. And I'll go back to Keelan Marion. If it's coming towards the end zone, take the 25-yard line. Fair catch it. Fair catch it. Take the 25-yard line. Now, I know that Keelan broke one last week, and he's probably feeling the butterflies when that thing's going in the air, and he's thinking, I'm going to be the hero. Hey, look, you're a hero if you get it to the 25. And he wasn't able to do that in multiple instances. So make sure that you're taking that field advantage. Do not lose the starting position game tonight. We're back with more of the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, let's head live to the All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Back at Provo, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. All right, BYU and Iowa State straight ahead on this Veterans Day. Some Veterans Day notes for you here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. 50 Invited veterans walked with the team ahead of the team during the Cougar Walk tonight. The national anthem coming up will be performed by the band and feature a 40-yard flag on the west sideline held by veterans and ROTC cadets. The national anthem will feature two color guards, current ROTC cadets and veterans. Honorary Captain Norma Kerr will join the team during the coin toss. 
She's a 102-year-old war veteran that is a BYU football fan, but is seeing her very first game in person tonight. Current BYU Army and Air Force ROTC cadets will be sitting in the rock in Section 37. And the band halftime show will be a tribute to all branches of the military on this Veterans Day. And by the way, in the last 50 years of BYU football, the Cougs are 4-0 when playing on Veterans Day. Doesn't happen very often, though. It's happening tonight. All right, Iowa State, uh, a very strong bounce-back season following a 4-8 year last year. And that was 1-8 they went in the Big 12. The Cyclones come into tonight having won back-to-back Big 12 away games at Cincinnati, and at Baylor. How about this? They're playing for a third straight league away win, Hans. And if they get it tonight, they'll have won three straight conference away games for the first time since 1978. (laughs) Winning in this league has not been easy for BYU. It's not easy for anyone right now. Winning on the road hasn't happened yet for BYU in Big 12 play. The Cougars get one more crack at a Big 12 road win in their regular season finale in Stillwater in two weeks. But BYU has been perfect at home this season, including a 2-0 mark in conference home games with wins over Cincy and Texas Tech. But the two toughest home games this season are tonight and next Saturday. Reminder that BYU has won 17 of its last 18 home night games. And here tonight, you've got an 8:25 mountain time kick, so 9:25 for the body clocks of these Cyclones. Cold night, well, chilly at least. It's not freezing, it's 42 degrees. But elevation, big crowd, BYU has every advantage it could want. Now they need the execution to match those advantages. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, you go to Lawrence, Kansas, and they give you the nice bro hug, and they feed you a bratwurst, and they come in the studio, they help you with all the pronunciation, and they just give you this amazing hospitality. And then as you're leaving, they hand you your L card. There's your loss. Then you go to TCU, and you're like, hey, these are sure nice Texans down here. They're taking care of us. Good food, big hugs. I got some buddies over in the broadcast area. They hand you the card. There's your L. And then you head out, and you're in Austin, and you're playing the Longhorns. They're nice to you. They hand you the L. And then you go to West Virginia. They're nice to you. The crowd's great. They're good people. They hand you the L. BYU fans have to be able to hand everybody that comes through this stadium the L. Because what I'm finding in Big 12 play, it is largely about venue. It is largely about the experience of the travel and the crowd and the interest and the desire. This is a conference that surrounds college football. This is a this is a more college football-centric conference than you're going to find throughout the country. So their fans surround it, the communities, you know, all the events around it, they all surround it, and it makes it really difficult to go in and get a win on the road. And BYU has to protect that home field advantage tonight. A bit more about the Cyclones' hands. Iowa State's doing a lot of the things BYU was doing when they were 5-2. and two. That is taking care of the football. Cyclones are a top-20 team in turnover margin. They're disciplined. Top 25 and fewest penalties per game. They're great in the red zone. How about this? They're the only Big 12 team that is perfect inside the 20 in league play. They protect the quarterback. Sixth fewest sacks allowed, and they love to turn the game over to the defense. Iowa State, top three in league play in scoring defense, total defense, rush defense, pass efficiency defense. Hands, this might be, on paper, the most winnable game left on the schedule, but this is not an easy team to beat. So... 
All right. This is what you got to look at. Would you take BYU's remaining two or Iowa State's remaining two? Iowa State has Texas and Kansas State to finish. BYU. I would take BYU's. So Iowa State is more in the pressed environment. They are on the road, backs against the wall. They are a riled-up dog in a cage, and they know if they don't get this one, Iowa State's not getting to bowl eligibility. With a much improved offense and a very good defense, they're not getting to bowl eligibility. If they don't win it tonight, they're not getting there. Texas isn't going to give them that win, and I believe that is K-State is as good as anyone right now in the Big 12. They're playing lights out. That is at home. Texas will be at home for Iowa State, but then you're on the road for Kansas State. They know if they don't get it tonight, they're not going to get it. So I don't care what BYU's remaining games are. you got to know that Iowa State is more pressed than you are. Desperation for the visitors tonight. Yeah, because, has to be home desperation as well. Yeah, because you think of where Matt Campbell stands. I mean, this is a guy that really suffered some losses. And in 2020, this guy was really good. 2021, he was really good. This guy has racked up Big 12 conference wins across the board. He's got plenty of them, and he does not want to miss a bowl game again. He's the second longest tenured Big 12 head coach. He's the only coach in school history to defeat every league opponent home and away, not including the new schools, of course. And Matt Campbell's producing NFL draft picks, nine bowl appearances, including five at Iowa State. He is a good one, and his team looks to make him bowl eligible again tonight. Coming up, we'll head down to field level and hear from Mitchell Juergens as the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show continues right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU hosting Iowa State on this military appreciation night, which is also a blackout night for the Cougars. They'll have the all-black uniform, which includes a black helmet for the first time. What an awesome day it was today. A perfect fall day. I used it to get some raking done, get some mowing done. Maybe the last good day to do that in the yard today. And then I know I got to do that all knowing that at night I'd be with my buddy Hans and Jason and Mitch here at the field and calling BYU football. 43 degrees is our kickoff temperature. A slight breeze, five miles per hour out of the southeast right now. By the time this game wraps up tonight, we'll be in the high 30s. Not too bad at all for mid-November along the Wasatch Front. Uh, tonight is BYU's 10th game in a 12-game regular season. It's the 8th of 10 consecutive games against P5 opponents. Unprecedented schedule difficulty for BYU, and it shows up in the win-loss column. It shows up in the training room. BYU's been kind of beaten up in the Big 12. Every position on the field has lost games, man games, this season. Multiple season-ending injuries, numerous players with multiple missed games, and we'll follow up that point as we bring you, after we bring you tonight's National Anthem. They're bringing out that 40-yard flag in front of us here. And let's turn it over to the BYU Marching Band for tonight's National Anthem on Veterans Day at Lavelle Edwards Stadium.
Allenbrook Stadium. Well, coming up in a bit, we'll head down to Mitchell Jurgens in the Zions Bank end zone for 150 years of helping you succeed. Zions Bank is for you. For now, we keep it in the booth. Uh, wide receiver Cody Epps, let's get some personnel notes here as we approach kickoff. Wide receiver Cody Epps uh, knocked out of last week's game at West Virginia. Expected back tonight. Keanu Hill didn't play the last few games. Could see some snaps tonight. Darius Lasseter remains out. The revolving door at wideout continues to spin hands. That position has not looked at all like we thought it would in the summer. Uh, the good news is that players who will return here next season are getting main, meaningful reps this season. But the bad news has been the lack of continuity and productivity from all those projected playmakers. It is a bummer because that's happening in practice as well. So you're trying to give Jake Retzloff a little bit of consistency. You're trying to let him see those targets, see those routes, build that relationship and that timing and he's not getting that in practice either not only is he not seeing it out here he's not seeing it in practice so consistency and having those guys on the field has been a big problem for BYU all year Isaac Rex has had a good year but it's been a while since he's found the end zone that next touchdown is going to set a new BYU record for career tight end touchdown catches but it has been a while since he's uh, since he's had that 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 kind of uh, uh red zone productivity which he was just as a freshman 12 touchdowns he was the red zone magnet in his first year so i was a little bit frustrated with isaac and his receptions and his production so i went back and i just watched him a little bit and watched what defenses were doing you know great every time he's targeted somebody's getting a hand in between him and the ball Every time. Now, I do think that it was a drop last week against West Virginia when he was running the seam. He should have been able to come down with that ball. But he was still double teamed. He still had a guy ripping and raking at the ball. So defenses have not forgotten about Isaac Rex. We might have because we haven't seen him. We haven't called his name a lot. Defenses have not. And I don't think Iowa State will forget about him tonight either. Coming up next, starting lineups and the opening kickoff of BYU and Iowa State. This has been the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show, live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.